All right, yo. Um, so what up? What up? What up? What up? What up? We are oh, back God. with the poet up podcast. Oh yeah, I've been recording this whole time. So nice. We're going to see what this comes up. Uh, we're back. I'm your host, Mal Chi, aka uh, fuck. I fucked it up. <laughs> I fucked it up. I fucked it up. And I'm here with <laughs> with with my people. Go anybody. Uh, this is Blues. Uh, AKA uh, Blues. That's, in case anybody's looking for me, it's always the same dude. <laughs> and uh, also in the building is Jay Ward, AKA Revolution, AKA Hope, AKA Believe, AKA Morning Service, AKA There's a Keyboard in the Back of the Room, AKA Star Map. Nice. Star Map? It's right Star there. Map? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I see what you just said. <laughs> just Kaiser so say that's it. And uh, today we have a special guest with us, uh, Riot, a.k.a. Shane, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Introduce Yourself. Uh, I believe you just did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you took all her a.k.a.s. I did. I do have another AKA. Go for it. Yeah, my my uh, family nicknamed me. It's called Shane Saw because when I was a kid, I tore up everything. Oh, that is cool. Nice. Yeah, it's a little bit. Can't more wait till you start rapping, and that is your rap name, Shane. Shane Saw, sucker. I like it. I like it. So we're back again. Another installment of the Poet Up podcast. Uh, today we have some bullet bourbon. We got some 99 cent beer. Bam! <laughs> and we got some 299 beer. So we're getting it getting it in today. Um what are we what are we talking about today, Jay? Um so so we have Shane here and I I've, I've always looked at Shane as like this poet who is super um passionate about her art but also the the position that that heart that that art holds in the community. Uh, and very passionate about the community. Um, and just recently, recently meaning like in the last three or four years, uh, kind of getting into slam. And I think the question that we were thinking about is, uh, given your passion for the arts and for teaching and for community, what do you see as a poet's obligation, right? Is, is a poet obligated to, to do community work? Is a, is a poet, what, what is a poet's obligation when it comes to their craft? What is a poet's obligation when it comes to the community, to their peers, to themselves? Um, go wherever you want to go with that, and then we'll kind of see. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I, I used to be, like, really, really adamant about it and thinking, thinking, like, yes, every poet, every artist, no matter if you're a painter or a poet or a musician, comedian, uh, should get involved in community work. But now, like, the more I've gone through my own personal journey and really studied, like, older poets as well, I think it's more about like the obligation is just as long as your work is heard um, because you're going to make the mark that you're supposed to make as long as you share it. Right. Um, I think that the only obligation is really just put it out there. Um, I talk a lot about how uh, so many people love Emily Dickinson and I've never really I've never really gotten on that bandwagon because like she hid all her work and I know why she hid her work because she would have been prosecuted for it right but at the same time I feel like f- poets 
that's like the most selfish thing you can do is hide your work because someone somewhere needs to hear it. Like I feel like our the whole reason why we're able to do this is so we can remind humans what a human looks like, right? And um, to bond humanity and um, also expose like we're historians, we're healers, we're revolutionaries, we're all these things, and all these things comes from sharing your work. And so. I mean, not everybody's cut out for community work, and that's the thing that I've learned. Like, um, not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody's supposed to be in that classroom. But every poet is supposed to share their voice, whether that be page um, or collaboration with another artist or an album or a book, whatever it is, you know, as long as they share what they're creating, that's what makes the impact. Um, Because if you take somebody who... Like, let's say they've got like social anxiety and you put them in a classroom and something pops off in the classroom and they don't know how to handle it. They could do more damage in there than they intended. Right. Not to mean that they can't learn, but, you know, it takes all types. Right. And I'm learning that there's all different types of poets, not just like one box for us, you know. Um, but I think the obligation is definitely to share the work and don't preach to the choir. Like, um, I think the only real obligation, the way I see it at this point, is stop hiding your work and don't just preach to the choir, hmm. you know? So. I like the idea of, of uh, so you said don't just preach to the choir. Because, right. I mean, like... We need the, it, too. The choir needs it, too. Yeah, we need yeah, it, too. Don't get me wrong. But, like, um, don't just <clears throat> stop there, you know? Yeah. Uh, so if we take that into, like, the realm of, uh, of activism, right? A lot of poets have um, poems that touch on activism or some kind of social justice topics. Yeah. What do you think the obligation that there is, or is there one? If, oh, if, yeah. There, <clears throat> now, there is something really specific with that. Like, um, I just wrote a blog, um, and, I don't, well, I didn't just. It was like a while back. But um, it was why activist poetry isn't really making the difference that the poet is seeking to make, and it's because the thing that's missing from their poem is a call to action. Like, it's one thing to get everybody riled up, and everybody's like, Yeah! And then they just go home. They don't know what to do. Like, I mean, you've you've sparked something in them, but you haven't empowered them. Like, there's a difference, right? So, like, making sure there's a call to action, whether or not you even put it in the poem or just have a table out at your show that's like, here's a list of things that you can do. And, like, and making it diverse enough for anybody to get involved. You know what I mean? So, I think when it comes to, like, activist poetry, the extra step is like the call to action or else you're just fanning flames that are going to die out. You know what I mean? So um, <laughs> I I, I want to take it back. This is a terrible transition, but no, I do tra- I do terrible transitions. When did you start writing? Um, In the womb? <laughs> um I, uh, That's a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, I, I literally, I was writing, uh, I wrote my first poem when I was five years old oh, nice. about werewolves. And I thought it was funny until I started my personal development journey and realized, oh, shit. Um, yeah, alcoholic family, uh, yeah, a person could flip like that. And like, oh, okay, that was the correlation between the werewolves. Mm. Oh, but... Uh, yeah, I've been writing and drawing ever since I was able to pick up a pen. Like, um, and I think it was just 
my childhood just right I was raised by biker gangs and construction workers and we traveled like nonstop. and I was raised by adults so like there there was hardly any other children it's really hard to tell a biker like look at how pretty that sunset is and it's you know it's like the sky's blushing and they're just looking at you like yeah honey that's yeah okay <laughs> so at at what point did your writing change from it was just something that you like to do to something that you you wanted to bring in your activism oh okay definitely um so for the longest time i wrote for survival right i think that's where all poets start out that's why a lot of poets start out in high school is um you know just to survive <laughs> teenage years right but um i was going through a divorce and i was at an open mic and I was reading a poem called Sitting on the Fence Beside Death with a Pack of Cigarettes. I know it's a ridiculously long title. I've gotten better. Um, <laughs> but when I got through with the poem, it, and it was about being suicidal, um, there was this old man who had came in. And we were reading at some like cafe called um, Beans and Brew uh, in Lincolnton. And this old man, he was like probably close to 70, came up to me when I got off the mic and he threw his arms around me and he was crying. He was like, I didn't even know that y'all were doing poetry in here. I was going to go home and kill myself until I heard that poem. Wow. And that was the first time it hit me where I was like, dang, this isn't just for me. Like this, like this has the potential to like touch the hearts and minds of other people. And the very next week I started Girl of Poets. So that was back in 2012. But I will say um, in high school, Raging Against the Machine and Deaf Poetry Jam really showed me like what poetry could be. Yeah. Like, you know, like how you could use poetry as a means to talk about uh, like what's going on in current history and in world news and stuff like that. Wow, that's what's up. So I want to circle back to uh, when when you had your aha moment that you were just talking about. So my aha moment came when uh, Blues used to host SKNet Uptown, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. No, 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 no. no, no I, I had not remember that in a minute. Like, yeah, that's crazy. So, um, in college, <clears throat> in college, we used to go out there all the time. Um, blues was hosting, and one night I did a poem about one of my friends that had got raped. Right, and after the show, this this girl came up to me and was like that really touched me I've I've been through a similar situation I've never heard anybody like talk about it like that and that was my aha moment where it was like oh it's not just for me because right. up until that point I was just writing my feelings like what I was feeling and it was it was just all about me and I didn't realize that like I really could affect somebody um so I just wanted to throw that little tangent in there for no reason it's, it's all right, because uh, tangents are, are, are necessary. Um, so you don't just, like, write. Like, writing is, is one part of what well, you do. Love it. Um, <laughs> you are also a visual artist, uh, an amazing visual artist. What are you, you trying to say about my poetry? I'm not I'm an just, amazing I, Well, this is, what I want, this is what I want to know. This is what I want to know. Shots fired. Shots um, fired. What do you think has been more impactful on your life, the writing mm. or the visual aspect? Ooh. Because writing has a cathartic to it that you can push out through words, but 
the visual everybody not everybody can draw or create with their hands like that so for you you have both of those tools at at your at your leisure which one do you think has been more beneficial to your healing process and to your activism process um i think definitely okay well the poetry i think has been more influence no i can't say that I can't say that because the art has made an impact with a lot of uh, teens that are going through it and they don't have the words to, they don't have the words yet to describe what's happening to them or they, or they just can't go there, you know, um, at that moment in time. So the art is a great way. I've seen art change lives in that way. I would have to say that the difference between the two is that when I'm writing a poem or I'm performing a poem, it gives me freedom. And then the brush, the paintbrush, the art gives me peace. So like one yeah. focuses me and calms me down and centers me and the other allows me to get free, mm. like allows me to expand. So there's like expansion and space in one and release. And the other one is more of a grounding, a centering right. kind of feeling to me. So I would have to say like they both, they both have made a huge impact in activism and in what I do, but in different, for different reasons. Right. You know what I mean? So. Well, what about for the students that you, and well, not even students, just you're the community that you, that you service, which one do you think is, is more effective for them? Art is always the end. Right. Um, when you start talking about words, like even, even if you've got a young person who is going through a lot, um, n- <sighs> I would have to say like 70% the art is the end because mm-hmm. they're not ready to talk. But once they get into the in the art aspect and they can express themselves without using words and they start to learn that it's okay to express themselves mm-hmm. and that it feels good to do so, then they can start writing. Um, the other 30% out the gate just want just want to tell their story. Right. Um so I would have to say it's more heavily on the art when you're starting with teens and like even middle schoolers. But there's there's always like that 30 percent that is like, like, no, I've been waiting for this. Like, please, like we do a program at Commonwealth and we just started back this year. And um, I, I thought for sure that like. Okay, we'd get like maybe five. We got like 20 students that like right out the gate was like, yeah, I need to write this poem about my dad because he told me I would never graduate and all this, that and the other. Mm. I mean, like they were just eager. I mean, normally when you do um, a poetry workshop uh, with teens or middle schoolers or anywhere around that age, like it takes a long time for them to write. They were just pumping them out. I had to like come up with new props on the spot. I was right. like, <laughs> I was like, all right, let's go, you know. But like that's that's not something that happens all the time because a lot of the places I go, it's like they also don't know who's who's safe enough for them to express their story as well. Right, right. You know, because you can't just. I just recently ran in that, into that with some students. So it was the first time that they had ever shared their story with anybody because they just never felt. Like they could share it without being judged, you know? So I would have to say art is the majority of what gets them to start expressing themselves. Hmm. So uh, the your your introduction, not your introduction, but the turning point for you and the turning point for you share a theme in, in that 
um, it had to do with this this story that was either very powerful or involved trauma in some way. And and Shane, you do a lot of work in trauma training and working with teachers to um, help them to know how to deal with uh, with youth who are dealing with some kind of trauma in their background and, and the effects of that. Right. So what do you think the poet's obligation is in terms of handling poems of that weight um, that are trauma or that are powerful like what is their obligation and how they handle it and and are they obligated are they obligated to tell their truth in other words is there creative license or poetic license but in, 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 in these things or not like what is what is that obligation no, I'm really really glad you asked that question because like um, if you're a poet in the poetry community you have seen that question posted on Facebook so many times like when is it crossing the line when we share our painful poems like Bitch, share your painful poems. Like, that's why you share them to a crowd, so we all can hold the weight of it. Like, that's the humanity. And stop acting like this shit is painful. It's not, or you wouldn't be doing it. It feels good to get it out. Like, I went to um, this poetry conference, and uh, former poet laureate uh, Joseph Bathante was there. And somebody asked that same question. It's the same question everybody always asks about, like, oh, the poems that were hard to write. And I, I love that man so much. He, he, was, he just started laughing. And he was like, hard to write? Like, you mean painful? And she was like, yeah. And he was like, none of them. He was like, we've got to stop this, this whole, like, concept that we sit at a typewriter and bleed. Stop acting like it don't feel good. Because it does. You know it does. Like, once you're done and you you push that paper aside or you get it out on stage and you're shaking and, yeah, you might be crying when you walk off stage, but you're, you've emptied it out and it feels good. And it's like, I don't know where we got this false narrative. Uh, and maybe it's shame. Maybe it's poets who feel ashamed when they're leaving instead of, like, brave, you know? And I don't know when that happened or how that happened. I don't know if if it's become too public or maybe we don't take time after a slam or after an open mic to actually sit and converse and be like, well, what did you feel like when I said that? Or, or what'd you feel like when you got off the stage? You know, cause I've been having that conversation with poets too. They're like, you know, everybody comes up and tells me like, man, that poem was awesome, but no one asks, are you okay? And I'm like, well, damn, most of the time we're trying to get out the venue, you know? But if we had that space, then maybe that shame would go away and you'd realize, like, this is okay. It's always been okay for you to do this. Like, it's always been here for you. Like, don't be ashamed of it. Oh, it's on oh no, I was, I was not going to add anything, anything uh, to this conversation. I was just going to say, everybody says, okay, boomer, but nobody says, are you okay, Boomer? Shut up, Jamal. Oh, my gosh. First of all, uh, for the listening audience, I just want you to know that Jamal was like, he was up on the mic like you were about to jump into a double dutch. Yeah, uh, right. Like, he, he really was. Just was. Waiting. Like, oh, you were so, you've been waiting on that. Here you come mean with God. this. <laughs> if you, you don't, if you don't post that as a status. I think, sorry, I think probably... Uh, sort of an answer to that response is I think a lot of that comes from the world of slam uh, where they're using their pain to gain something and not necessarily a healing thing. Oh yeah. They're definitely out for 
whatever the prize is at the end of a slam. And so part of that conversation turns into someone who doesn't win, the sore loser, like, man, they're just up there, you know, porn trauma, blah, blah, blah. And I get part of that. Like, I understand that. I also understand that don't, I, I always had this idea is when they get off the mic, it looks like they're dying. And I'm like, if it's killing you, don't do it. Stop doing that. Right. You know what I'm saying? At least that part of it. But again, again, I, that's when I begin like, is it all an act? Is it all? You know what I'm saying? Like, because Slam for me is a show. Yeah. Is, is a circus, is a show, is a theater. You know, so when people do that. But when I see it just at an open mic and someone shares and they walk off that stage like, like that, I'm like, oh, that shit was real. Because you have no other reason to share that poem other than the reason that you shared it. There was nothing to gain other than getting free in that moment. So, yeah, I think part of that whole should we be doing that narrative comes from the world of slam and the competitive part. I've always told because like when I first started slamming, like, all you know, because for years I was heavily against slam. So when I finally like the cat was out of the box that I was slamming, everybody like jumped down my ass a little bit. And I had to be like, whoa, whoa. You know, because I have learned some things like editing and um, knowing your audience. And uh, there's some great things that I've gotten out of Slam. I think that you have to keep your head on straight, though. You have to. Like, people, it's so easy. And it's the same with activism. There's two There's two avenues where you can get sucked into within, before you know it. If you go into activism, guess what? You can fall into martyr syndrome. You go into slam, you can fall into like the whole like celebrity mindset, right? Like, and so whenever you slam, you have got to remember before you get up there, why are you doing this in the first place? Because like, if you break it down, right? Even if you win, okay, like depending on what slam it is, okay, you might break even on your money right you get what bragging rights you could put it on your website and then you might get more shows but you still gotta do the work mm, you still gotta true. reach out to people like you might get four shows you know out out the gate when when you win of people contacting you but after that you still gotta put in the work and two right. weeks later don't nobody give a shit you come back home everybody <laughs> like oh great job pat you on the back and then it's like all right now you still gotta take out the trash and do the laundry and right. if if you work in a nine to five, you gotta go to your nine to five, you know? So like really why do you go? Why why do you go? What are you doing it for? And I think if you keep your head on straight, then yeah, you can do the painful poem if you know it'll get you a thirty and you can still get free while doing it. You know what I mean? Like at least to me that's like every time before I get up there, I make sure that my mind right. So that when I leave no matter what, whether I win or not, I know that I did the best that I could and I was true to the poem in that moment. And I do it on open mics too. If I show up to do a poem, I'm not gonna half-ass do a poem. Right. I, I agree, this, this, this idea about slam, like slam is a game, right? Slam is a show and a game and that's what it is. So like if, if you have clear in mind what your priorities are, then yeah, you can do, you can do the painful poem that you think will let you win uh, and then if you don't win, your greater purpose was still served. Like right. your greater purpose of sharing that work and sharing and hopefully healing other people has been served. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I don't mind if people do their painful poems at all. Um, I also don't mind if, if they are, if, if they've, if they've kind of hurt themselves in the process. I don't necessarily think that's invalid. I think I think it is invalid afterwards, though, if they didn't win and they're like, 
That part. Right. Like, right. <laughs> right. Like you made this choice. Like Slam didn't do this to you. Right. Like, you made the choice strategically to do this poem, even though it hurts you. Um, at a chance to win and then you didn't win and then you're salty no no no, no. you can't you can't have it both ways right uh, but yeah if you have in mind that greater purpose I think that I think it works I just, well I guess I'm just confused the whole like where do you get hurt like here's the, because to me I, I guess maybe I'm looking at the big picture when someone does this like heart wrenching poem and you know that it's real because they're going back to when they wrote it right like you everything in their whole body is just like oh they are reliving this right the amazing thing about that is you're seeing someone jump this this huge cliff that was a milestone in their life and you're seeing them jump it in three minutes and like that's beauty and that's hope and that's courage and that's like that's no matter how visceral and raw and painful that poem is like you're walking off that stage like you just jumped that cliff in like three minutes and the audience that's that's the reason why those like tearjerker poems and stuff that's the reason why the audience is just like damn 30 30 you know like just 10 10 10 i think uh, for me it's because I'm, I'm an old dog in the game is because i've seen it a million times and sometimes i see it from the same poet and i'm like well here comes this part here mm -hmm. comes the tears here comes the shakes here comes that part and oh, the no, dismount. Some of it is rehearsed. Yeah, and yeah. that's why I'm like. You can tell. And then they come off the stage like they're broken. And I'm like, dude, if this is breaking you every uh -huh. single time, why do you keep doing this poem? Some of that. Some, some of that's But acting. again, I'm yeah. with, I like, I, I agree with y'all. Some of it is, you know, they, there's a point of hurt that is, that is genuine. Um, but again, if you don't win the slam, you can't, you can't fall into a hole like, Oh, I did the, the poem about my whatever. And now I'm completely broken and I didn't win. So now I'm super depressed. Side. And you're like, all right, man, but you, you kind of knew you were playing a game. That's a gamble. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Don't. And you can't weigh hells just like you can't like outbeat someone else's trauma. You know what I mean? Like right, that yeah. don't that ain't how humanity works either. Like your worst day ain't the same as someone else's worst day and there's nothing that you're going to be able to do to to make that uh, greater or lesser than you know what I mean and right. like that's really going to mess up your whole mental state when you start judging yourself based off of your trauma like there is mm. a whole subconscious thing that happens in that that is dangerous very dangerous Right. If you're matching, if you're matching the score to your trauma. Oh God, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's you're matching the score to your worth. Yeah. And like I've I've seen amazing poets like get a low score at a bar, and I'm like, and they're just like wrecked, and I'm like, your judges were drunk. Right. Drunk <laughs> as shit. <laughs> and you're and you're basing whether or not you are a good poet off of drunk judges that don't know anything about poetry. Okay. Okay. Or, or you're judging your worth based on a very, very real and very traumatic experience that is valid and has weight, but your poem sucked. <laughs> and they were, they were, they were scoring your poem. Shots fired. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's real though. Yeah, I'm, I'm really serious. sorry what happened well, to you, but you do realize <laughs> that poem sucked. <laughs> like the judges I'm, were just being accurate. <laughs> to me, it's really funny though too, because it's like you can't. It's like you can't take Picasso. And hold it up next to Michelangelo and be like, which one's better? Right? right and it's the same it's, thing it's, with poetry. Everybody yeah. has their own style. So, like, my um, poetry mama, that's what I call her, Devonna Wyatt, used to say, there's no such thing as a bad poem, just a poem that hasn't found its audience. 
But if you are going up against wordsmiths, and those judges love wordplay, and you know that your poems don't have any wordplay in it, right. you're probably not going to score well. Right. Don't do that poem. Right. Do not save yourself some hurt, some extra hurt, and don't do that poem. Um, so you do, of course, a lot of work. What I, what I admire about you is you work in so many different counties. Like, you'll tell me you're doing something, it'll be like, oh, I'm doing a, a workshop here in Cabarrus County. I'm doing a workshop. I'm in Asheville the next weekend. But um, one particular thing that's, that's true to, uh, that's dear to, uh, to my heart is because we both work for the same organization is PFO. Yeah. Um, working with some amazing teens. Um, and the thing that I, I love about this or I love about you, because you have have a, a, a different perspective on all of this is that the teens that we work with, I won't call them privileged, but they're doing better than some of the other teens that you work with. Right. Do you find that their pains are different or the way that you have to engage them is different? Like there's a certain way you can talk to some of the kids who are going through some shit. Oh yeah. And there's a certain way that you can talk to the kids who are going through their shit. Right. Not necessarily some shit, but their shit. Right. Is there like a difference in how you approach that? Oh, yeah, definitely. The first year working with PFO, I realized that because I realized I cannot approach the teens in PFO the same way I approach like teens at Henderson. Right. I go into Henderson and there's a there's a kid that's like uh, he's not a kid. Uh, but he's 12 and he's talking to you like a 30 year old man because he's done been through so much. Right. right? And like at, at when you're <laughs> when your home is getting shot at every night and like you be like, hey, you know, like watch that F bomb. They're going to be like, fucking really? Like, right. <laughs> really going like that's what we need to worry about right now. Well, fuck you and fuck your workshop. You know? it's like, no, you just can't. Like, and they're they're so straight up with you and so real that there's no other way that you can be except straight up and real with them. Mm-hmm. They're just not gonna. It's not gonna fly. Not to cut you off, but for the people who might not know Henderson, can you tell them where it is? Yeah. It is? So Henderson is an independent high school and middle school in Salisbury, but it's like, it's basically a lockdown facility. So we get teens from all over. Um, we've had students from Georgia. It's like their last chance before being thrown um, out of the system or into the system, would I rather say. Um, so it's, they're very understaffed. Uh, if y'all would love to volunteer, <laughs> if anybody would love to come and give some support, we could use it. Um, uh, it's Can very you violent. volunteer if you've had a record? Uh, actually, <laughs> they um, they would probably love to have you because uh, if you have a record, then you can talk to them because I don't think any teen there doesn't have a record. All right, Jamal, you're good then. <laughs> There might be some I that don't have a record, but like, I don't think that's a major concern that you, that you, you know, No, I asked that because we'll probably have listeners who oh, might yeah, have no, background. Like, totally, right, 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 right. totally hit me up. Um, share your experience with them. Um, most of them have been in and out of a lot of uh, jail asylums, a, a bunch of things. Um, but yeah, no, I can't, I can't treat, um, the teens at PFO the same, or not treat, I can't approach them the same way I approach the Henderson students. I had to learn that very quickly, but I will say this, the way they react to their pain is different because, um, um, the teens that have more access to resources 
have ways to deal with it, mm. have more ways to deal with it, but it is eye-opening how similar the pain is. Right. Like, I didn't even realize that until I started really getting involved. Like, you have a teen whose dad is not there because they're constantly on business. There's an abandonment issues there. Mm. And then you have a teen whose dad is not there because they're in prison. You know, so the abandonment issues are, are there, but one has resources to deal with it and one don't. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. they all have depression. They all have, you know, there's anxiety, there's PTSD in both like, you know, uh, demographics, but it really, it really, really puts it into perspective of like the only reason why like this section is more violent and gets wrapped up in more crime is because they don't have any resources. Mm-hmm. Like I've got kids who are locked up just because I, I need to stop saying kids. I've got teens who are locked up just because their mom didn't have money for their medication. So they went and robbed somebody. So their mom wouldn't die. Like, like these are the situations, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's funny how similar, like, like the, um, I guess not the source, but like what's happening is, but the outcome is so different because like the resources and the community support, you get, you get a teen that's in a nice neighborhood and they make a mistake. It's like, Oh, it's okay. Little Jimmy, but you get, you know, Johnny over here that's in Salisbury and wrapped up in folk nation and all this. And he gets arrested. And then it's like, Oh, you know, I knew he was a bad kid. We're going to make this racial and go ahead and call him Raekwon. (laughs) (laughs) What? Called him Raekwon. So question, question. Um, this is this is more so dealing with um, like the the students at Henderson um, and dealing with students that have some some uh, level of trauma uh, built into to their lives. Right. Um, and you work with them on a regular basis. And and I should mention, too, and I want you to mention your contact information at the end of this, because you're working on uh, you have trauma training in place, but you're working on more trauma training. You have a yes. TEDx talk uh, possibly coming up uh, next yeah, month. Send me good vibes um, in, in doing this. Right. <clears throat> so everything we do informs our art and your work doesn't specifically talk about Henderson and trauma and the work that you do, but. But it has to inform your work in some way. So, so how do you think um, working with students like this and, and kind of getting insight onto, onto how to deal with it, how do you think that informs your work or does it? Um, that's a really good question. I've never even thought about that. Um, Jay Ward is the good question asker. <laughs> the best. Um, I will say this. I, I do have some poems that are um, about uh, my students. But I don't, I guess it's because I don't want to, whenever I talk about them, I, I'm, I usually talk very vaguely because I want to protect their privacy. And I only use those poems in situations where um, I am in a room of people who can donate money to them, who can like get them. We've got students right now that y'all, they don't even have jackets, you know, like I was literally, I was walking down the hall last week and a student was coming up the hall and his sleeve fell off his shirt. 
Jeez. Yeah. And his friend was like, literally, this is what she said. She was like, what the fuck did you do? And he was like, I don't know. And it, like literally like, his sleeve just, a, just, just fell day. off. Like, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So um, I share those poems when I'm in rooms of people who like they need to get it. They need to know, like, this This is what's happening to our children, you know, not just their children, our children, you know. Um, but it does inform my work in the way that, like, because they inspire me. They remind me that I don't have to take any shit either. Like, so when I go to, to write a poem, like, their influence on me is, like, that whole, like, don't be nice. Like, say what the hell you want to say, like, because you can, and it's okay if you do. You know, so like they inspire me every every time I go in there because I'll see I'll see a student. <laughs> I mean, it's messed up, but at the same time, it's like, no, you're right. No, I'll go to the bathroom if I want to go to the damn bathroom. You know, <laughs> like try to stop me. I'll tear this door off the hinges. Literally has happened. Uh, not to me, not in my class. But, you know, I've seen like they will flip their shit. But it's like a reminder of like. Now you really don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And for someone who has a hard time saying no, like that's inspiring to me. Yeah. Like just no, I will not. <laughs> like, you know. All right, so we're we're talking about trauma, we're talking about heavy topics, we're talking about possibly slam, but just in, in all kinds of work. <clears throat> what I'm about to say, I don't think has historically applied to to page poets and, and academia. Uh, but I think it's starting to. What do you think the poet's obligation is about their own experience? Like, for example, if a poet goes up and does a story for a poem, but it's not his story, he's just good at writing, mm -hmm. right? Just like like a fiction writer is good at creating a story. American are you, dirt. Are you, <laughs> are you are you tiptoeing around the whole like this dude just came up and did a a poem about um, a girl issue and then no, you, so no, I'm not talking about appropriation. I'm okay. not talking about telling somebody else's story. He's tiptoeing around the stalker poem. <laughs> Jamal's famous poem. I know you. So if I do, if I if I know a certain poem, if I know a certain kind of poem scores well. So let, let's say, okay, a tearjerker scores well. Okay. I'm gonna get up and talk about uh, my mom, and I'm gonna get up and talk about um, disease, and I'm gonna talk about death. Right. But but my mom is perfectly healthy and lives upstate, right? But I'm doing this. I've I've created this poem. Uh, oh, this tearjerker that, poem. So like. In fiction, it's fiction, so we don't we don't expect that these stories are real. Um, and on the page, I think that there didn't used to be an obligation there either. I think on the page, people used to write and let their imaginations go because we're writers, right? So, so to some degree, we have creative license to to write. But what do you think? What obligation do you think exists that what you hear presented is actually true? Okay, so we we no, I'm really glad that you that you brought that up because that's that's something that poets in the community get into arguments about all the time because um, we saw it not I don't think it was last year at Southern Friday it might have been the year before but there was a big uproar about a poet who was up there and did a poem about someone that had autism or mm -hmm. something like that and like you I remember that you everybody speak. like flipped their shit and everything here's the thing everybody says like oh the road to hell is paved with good intentions but I don't think people are giving enough credit to good intentions okay it is the intention behind the poem that matters if you are doing a poem that is not your story and it's not that you want to honor the people who are not here to tell it, right? It is just your intention to win. 
And you can tell when a poet's really connecting with the story, whether it's poetic license or not. You can tell. You can tell. If you can read people, you can tell what's greed and what's honoring someone's story. And I think that's where the key lies. Because I've seen um, perfect example. Like, I know he is from that culture, but we've got Ed who does the the whistle poem. Um, I don't know the title of it, but gosh, it'll make I your, just call it the whistle poem. So Jesus, it'll make your like, spirit leave your body, right? Like, don't even start. Um, <laughs> but you can tell when he does that poem that like he's supposed to tell that story. You know what I mean? But you see someone on stage where, like, clearly they're just like, oh, I want to win. Give it to me. Give it to me. Please give it to me. Please give it to me. Look at how my, oh, you know, like, <laughs> well, we you can, can tell. We can tell, but the judges can't necessarily tell because right. we've seen it. We're seasoned. Right. So we've, we've seen it. The judges, I think, this is their first time look, at a slam. I think that your own spirit is going to catch up with you. I really do. So, so like, to answer the question, then you think that, that, the poet should stick to what is true of their story. I think, well, first of all, there's two halves to it. I am a full believer in poetic license. My first book through Main Street Rag was all about me observing people at Waffle House. Is that dude a sailor because he has one eye missing? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but he a sailor tonight. He's a sailor tonight. He's a sailor tonight. Oh, this need, book, he's a sailor. Do I need to get you a glass? No. You know what I mean? <laughs> you you so, did not do that I'm, right. That is to do country. To do. Can we interrupt? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, this, he, yep. he is pouring bullet whiskey into an empty beer can. That is. <laughs> well, woo. he did ask for a uh, Moscow Mule earlier. So oh, that's the. I got. See? I got myself sort of a uh, sort of a copper can. Look, you use what you have. Oh, and you know what? Listen, I, this is a very green way to do things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm repurposing this beer can for bullet. We whiskey. would just like you to know that this podcast uh, supports the environment. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we're environmentally uh, aware. Uh, aware. <laughs> yeah, conscious. I don't know the word. Fuck uh, it. No, um, I, I believe in poetic license. Um, please observe your fellow men and women and they are, you know, a squirrel, a, a glass on this table. Observe it. Fall in love with it. Write it into to tragedy or, or hero journey, whatever you want to do. I just think that the intention needs to, if you're going to write about somebody that ain't you, fall into them. Fall full-heartedly, uninhibited, just fall into them. And I think... It's the same with actors, right? Method acting, right? Like, I'm not saying, like, if you want to write about someone who's autism, go and, like, you know, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is do, go spend some time with those people. Like, if you're if you're going to do it, you're going to write that story, let them at least have a say in it. Like, with my trauma training, like, I was talking to Jay about that. I was like, you know what? I think this is the only trauma training that I know of where the students actually had the say in the training, like the students were always like, this is what's happening in our classrooms. This is why we're flipping out. Teacher, I'm having a panic attack. You're not going to let me step out into the hall for five minutes. Well, I'm going to turn this desk over because you're an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're going to write about that, uh, ha at least let them have the say in it. You know what I mean? Um, be, be honorable about it. Don't just make some shit up, you know? Damn, I, I had something good to add, but I forgot it already. 
Oh, it's off topic. You hate to see it happen. Well, thanks for thanks for letting us know that it was there, though. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Blues, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I uh, it's it's like it's such a two way street because I feel like if you are a great storyteller and you can retell a story or give life and shed light on a story, then you should be able to tell it. Like your gift as a writer is that. Right. But at the same time, uh, there are people who feel like you shouldn't be telling that story at all. You should be telling your own story. And what if your story is of like, in the, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, uh, for, the, for the average white guy who was privileged, who had a great, you know what I'm saying, great upbringing and da 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 da. Who the fuck wants to hear that story? You know what I'm saying? Who wants to hear that poem? Yeah, um, CB. Nobody but, wants to hear that shit. Right. Wow. But say. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we, like, we like CB. That it was the bullet talking right there. <laughs> but if you are that guy who works with Henderson kids, right. Henderson teens, right. and he's like, yo, people need to know this story. I'm talented enough to tell it. I should tell it. Mm-hmm. But if he tells that story, they're like, why are you telling that kid's story? You know, like, what the fuck do you want me to do? Just sit here? They can't be here to tell it. They can't but... be here to tell it. So it, I feel like it, it should be able to cut both ways just a little. I think it's when you start to use their story to win or gain right. at intention. the profit of the right. So yeah. intention it goes back to intention. But I feel like um, if I can write the story of a little white girl from Iowa, a 14 year old girl, white girl from Iowa who's experiencing trauma pain through trying to dodge, you know, her father trying to touch her. If I can write that and it comes off great, I think I should be able to spit it. I had I had enough wherewithal and I didn't pull it from anything. I'm just there are people who are living like that. Right. So if I can say, Leo, this person doesn't exist, but the story is real. That story exists. Um, you know, it's, it's I for think it's, I think it's also, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm also thinking about like white poets who do like black, mm-hmm. um, like situations or like they talk about like, and like, cause this has been a conversation that is, that has come up for me too, because appearing white, you know, even though I'm, well, I'm probably more French than I am Native American. I haven't done my blood quantum this year, but um, through my lineage, get I at us, back. Uh, uh, um, twenty twenty three and me, right. get But like it, because. I've had people approach me and be like, man, that was brave for you to do that poem. I'm like, this, what the fuck are you talking about? I Like, you're the new person here. Like, this is my family. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? <laughs> right. But at the same time, like, I have to be mindful of that too. Like, so a lot of my poems aren't centered around black experience. It's centered around white people fucking up. Like, you know, like... Because to be honest, what good is it going to do me preaching to y'all when I need to be preaching to the white people out here at the coffee shop? You know what I mean? Like, so super facts. You know what I mean? So like if that's the if you want to combat racism or ignorance or because those two are different. um, If you want to combat any of that, like know your audience, like don't. Don't preach to the choir. Like if if you wrote that poem to make a change, then that's where you should be, not at a slam. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, th- I think slam has changed the game a lot. Not just in slam, but like in academia. No, I totally, I totally see that, and I think, um, I think poets in like spoken word community. I'm not just gonna say slam because not all spoken word poets slam. Um, I think 
they're seeing the potential of book sales. And I think that's another thing that has crossed over because nobody got CDs anymore. Right. And I'm sorry. CDs. Well, I do too, but that's because I'm old school. But who read like, that people are reading again? Right. right yeah. Right, right, right. That part. Right. But I think, um, and I'm glad though, that wall needs to come down. We need to, to mix it up. You know what I mean? We've been needing that for a while. Um, and us leverage each other and learn from each other from the literary world and spoken word, like linguistically, you know, um, I, because we both can benefit. Right. Um, I don't. I, I agree with you. I love poetic license. I like. I do, and I also feel like there's also a point in there too where it's like, I feel like poets can't keep any secrets. Like they shouldn't keep any secrets. Like you're, you're supposed to share the human experience. That's why it's in you to do so, right? Um, and how hard is it going to be for that poet, that writer to keep their mouth shut if they see a story that resonates with them? Right. I you feel know? like is that, we, that's almost like a blasphemous thing to do. Yeah. Cause when we start boxing each other in because we can't tell a story, like you're going to be very limited at what you can tell. Like if you're talented enough to tell a story, I feel like you should be able to write it and tell it and spit it. Like that's what you do. Um, people who do one man shows or shit, if you write a play, you know what I'm saying? Based on something you know about or have mm -hmm. researched, I think you should be able to write that play and 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 put it forth. And if it works, it, it works. I I feel like people trip sometimes when they, oh, I, I call it sore loser syndrome. Um, you know, if you lose to somebody who's who's able to tell your story better than you, you're real mad. I don't think you're mad because they're telling the story better than you. You're mad because you lost. Mm -hmm. right. And maybe you should, you know, I don't know what to tell you to do with that. You shouldn't play the game. If the game upsets you that much, it's a game. It's like being mad that Tom Brady can throw 65 yards and... You can't throw 65 yards. It's fucking Tom Brady. He's just a better quarterback than you <laughs> at the game that you're playing. Stop playing that game. You right. know what I'm saying? But right. I, I get it, though. Like, you feel like, oh, man, well, you shouldn't be telling black stories and, and, and winning slams. All right. So maybe you should stop slamming. <laughs> so, so you're pro Tyler Perry writing and directing it. Listen, he movies. has an audience and people are paying money to come see the same thing <laughs> every time. I, I'm not mad at him. Marka. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at him. If it's you know, if if a cat keeps showing up at your door and you keep feeding it the same milk, you just all right. Here's milk. Oh, you brought more cats with you. Here's more milk. What if the cats start paying money to drink the milk? Shit, I'm just pouring well flour and water and turning it white. My and first calling question it milk. is going to be where did cats get money from? Well, and we'll see. That's another question because Tyler Perry has an audience of people that I don't think are super affluent. And he's charging hella money for a. That, that's yeah. a whole nother story. But I don't know. I think people take it way, shit way too personally. Like it's art. Like if everybody would stop like focusing on like oh what should be done and what shouldn't be done and just like 
I don't know, experiment together. Like, mm. I don't know, maybe stop experimenting in the bedroom with each other and making babies oh, and drama goodness. everywhere. We are going in a whole different direction. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Keep going, Shane. Oh. Look, 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 all, look, all. You going down Main Street and all of a sudden, boom, you make a left. Escalating quickly. No, like the reason why I make that connection is because like um, we have a shadow self, right? We have these dark needs and if they aren't being met, they're going to be met in negative distracting ways right so if your need is to collaborate with other artists because god it don't it feel good to create with somebody but you putting that outlet into a bedroom or a back alley or somewhere else and you not putting it into the work and the in the the art and the shit that really gets you off right then of course we gonna have all this drama and all this bullshit but if we actually like focus on how good it feels to actually do the damn thing to create together then we got a whole another situation going on you know like stop taking the pressure off yourself of what should be and shouldn't be and just fucking do it and i i um i want to circle back to and just make clear i don't necessarily condone a writer doing it i'm just saying when it comes to slam like it's a game and when it comes to writing right when it comes to writing, you have license. I also feel like it's one of those situations where um, I will support your right to do it. However, I'm not fighting for you. So, like, I'll support, <laughs> yeah, but, no. but, you, but you, have, you have to take the consequences of it. No, because oh, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to lie. When I saw that dude do his poem that we were referencing earlier, they, I was like, I, I was like, I'm about to walk out. So personally, ally poems make me cringe. But mm-hmm. but I get it. Like, I get it. And, right. and to Blues's point, like, I do sympathize. Not sympathize. I don't. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> like let's say, like, like, let's say an average, like, cishet, like a, like a cishet white male poet, right? Right. Um, you know, they have to be very creative because there's not, they don't, ha- they don't have things for the most part. They're going to get jumped after right. they get off the stage. That, <laughs> right. Um, but when you have poets that, that come up with engaging stories and engaging poems anyway, then I'm like, yeah, of course, yeah. then they're, they're good poets. Then if I, if, if I get beat by a poet that, that tells, if I get beat by like a white poet that tells a black story, like I will be irritated but I'll be irritated that I lost. I won't, I mean, irritated in that, like, I couldn't beat you. Like, you're saying, so if my poem wasn't good enough to beat your poem, then man, hats off to you for writing that. I ain't going to talk to you afterwards, but I, <laughs> I still support your right to do it. Right. But, but really what I'm going to go home with is, nah, I need to set my pin game up. Right. If, 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 this, if this white poet told a black story better than me. And then judges agreed, either I'm really salty at one or two of the judges, or I'm really salty at myself and saying, I, I just got to step my pin game up. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Sidekick right now and his, his feet pole. But... Shout out, Shout out to Sidekick. Shout out to Sidekick. Um, That's a creative fucking because poem. Because it's a, a creative poem. He's, also, he's telling a black story. Because the whole the whole point of the poem is black people getting walked over from yeah. from where he starts to you know where he ends, yeah. and like I would have never thought of that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, so here's a question. So sidekick has the poem, and he and he says to himself, "I can't write this." Hey Jamal, here's a great idea for you to write. Are you more offended that you couldn't think of it or that he's telling you what you should write? Mm. And at the same time, you know it's a dope-ass idea. Well, 
Okay, for me personally, I'm I'm probably more upset that I didn't think of it. Um, I'm not I'm not upset that. Are he, you Are you upset though? He's a dancer. Well, he's, he's that's a good point. He's a dancer. Point. That, that poem will, was born from. I will I will say this about Psychic because he was in he's like um one of the old school like OG gorilla poets like his the way he has lived his life has been so street and like immersed in hip hop. But he's very aware. Like, I'm sure he knew, mm-hmm. like, what story he was telling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a parallel, right? Like, um, like, okay, yes, I'll write about um, Native American. I refuse to say indigenous because that shit sounds too scientific. It sounds too, ex- like, extinction, right? Like, no, native. Like, this was ours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I lived on the reservation, but I'm not living on the reservation now, right? So it's like, am I able to tell that story even though, like, I had an old woman tell me her her journey, her story, and about America before I even learned it in class, right? Like, it's in my blood at that point, like, literally part, and also, like, I was raised on these on these beliefs, these cultural things, you know, like even my religion boils down to, to part of that, you know? Um, so like with him, right. If he's writing a poem that is not his story, but it has somehow become his, his story and the way that it's his manhood, right? Like he'll never be able to live it. He'll never be able to know what that feels like. So I think it, well, I'm sorry. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say it goes back to Jay's uh, question on obligation. What do we have an obligation to? So now that you were told a story of this Native American woman's life from beginning to end, if you were told the story of your mother's side of the family from beginning to end, from your mother's side, from my mother's side, what obligation do we have as poets and storytellers to continue to tell that story? Mm-hmm. Although we didn't personally experience it, we were given the experience. So Sidekick mm-hmm. was given the experience. And I think it was up to him to say, I'm obligated to tell this story because I know what it is to be a dancer and to be a part of this community that is particularly and probably 99% black. But I know what they've gone through, although I have not gone through it myself, but I've experienced it through them, you know what I'm saying? And I can tell that story. I don't think we can fault people for being able to, again, be talented enough to tell the experience mm-hmm. through through what we're given. So, yeah, so again, we go back to where is our obligation and are we, are we being cut from that obligation now? Because we're not allowed, we're not supposed to be telling that story. You know? Maybe it's the way you tell it, right? So like, for example, uh, if you know that you're appearing white, right? Um, how can you tell the story in a way to reach um, people who are like are probably going to be more comfortable with you walking in? Like I have gone into many a wine bar and done the Malcolm X poem and the whole place you could hear a pin drop. Right. Like or gone into a place and done the um, horse of a different color poem or the stepbrother piece. Right. And like everybody's like, oh, shit. And I'm like, there have been times where like I'm doing a poem and halfway through, I'm thinking in my head, all right, when you get done with this poem, you're going to have to get like the doors right there. Just get out because like everybody looking at you sideways. Right. Um, but I knew that like those were the people that need to hear this mm-hmm. because they see me and they say, oh, little cute white girl. Oh, yeah, she's, <laughs> mm. you know what I mean? 
And but what's so funny is that after I get off the mic and I'm making my way towards the door, there's like these people will come up and go like, yeah, man, my family's the exact same way. Or I never thought about it like that. Or like, man, like, can you tell me more about that? Like, there's only been one instance where, like, I actually had to hide in the back, and that was when me and Morgan, it was in Lincolnton, we did, like, this whole set on um, racism, and they literally, like, held us in the back because they were waiting to jump us at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was a lot of, like, redneck, like, KKK people who apparently were in the cafe and we didn't know it but because they're sophisticated clan right they're sophi- we, they, we like our cappuccinos <laughs> that's the only thing we like dark right <laughs> and even that's a little lot i think it's how you tell it like if if for example if i was sitting at a slam and a poet got up on stage and he was i'm talking butt of a cigarette white Right? Like, just glowing. Like, Damn, Casper Blue glowing. That's very white. That's <laughs> real. That's, that's white, right? Um, And he starts talking about him walking down the street in a hoodie and being afraid for his life. And he looked like a baby face on wrestling, right? Like, someone, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, look like he five in the face or something. Mm. Um. I I would be pissed off. I would be pissed off. I couldn't imagine how anybody else in the building would feel. You know what I mean? But if that same poet is like, okay, I'm going to lead you through his story. Right? Like, like perspective wise, Mm -hmm. like you flip the perspective and be like, okay, now I'm bearing witness to this story. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not him. But I am the witness to the story. You know what I mean? Um, And I think that that line can be blurred a little bit. But I don't think anybody is ever going to be able to, like, walk in the shoes of someone who who has... It's like... it's You know what it's like? It's like trying to put on... I don't know. Like, web-shaped shoes on pointed feet it's just like you know what i mean like it, the shit just don't walk right right you know like it just don't <laughs> shame no country is hell <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying like i'm just saying like i think it's in how you tell it it's in how you tell it and i think that that line can be blurred a little bit but there's also a point where when you cross it everybody gonna know that you crossed it mm-hmm. gotta deal with that yeah definitely um, yeah, I, I, I think there are people that, that walk that line very well, but like for me, as soon as you approach the line, I start getting like really cringy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do y'all, are, do y'all feel the same way? I feel like when I, I feel like, for example, if a white poet gets up and just starts like doing like this whole Black Lives Matter piece, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's nothing that you're saying is wrong. Like it's all facts. Like, but, yeah, uh, but it's like, like nobody asked you to do what you're doing <laughs> right, right now. Right. You're like, Yo, oh, we're good. Yeah. Thank, thanks. I, I will tell you, I will tell you my closest, uh, uh, well, no, my closest two. I've only had two poems that I've retired. Well, that's not true. Uh, there's two poems that I've retired specifically this for this reason. Oh, um, I had a poem that was talking about uh, talking about women and um, 
like that they should value themselves regardless or whatever <laughs> right <laughs> and like holy shit yeah but listen here's the thing right it did it most of the time like 80 percent of the time it did <laughs> well all the time right um <laughs> but when it did 60 percent of the time it's right every time yeah, exactly exactly um and then one person said one person said something to me one time it wasn't an audience member it, it was another poet another poet was just like so are you are you validating women like is it is it is it your job to to validate women and i was like i mean (laughs) i mean bet word okay and i stopped doing the poem um and then the other time was you remember you remember emma sokowitz poem Mm -hmm. i used to do the emma sokowitz poem at slams all the time and and win all the time poem's amazing and that poem was it, it it was it was a poem about uh, rape, right? But it was from a father's standpoint. Oh, the right? one where you were talking about the girl talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I remember that. I yeah. wrote it as a father, not as a victim. I wrote it as a father who had daughters growing up in a hip hop culture, which kind of promotes rape culture, right? Um, and I was telling I was telling my own story yeah, as a father. I ain't never been touched. I, <laughs> I was telling. I know how to feel about that. No, I was telling my own story as a father. Right, 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 right. right. Um, so. No poet ever, ever said anything to me about that poem. No audience member ever said anything to me about that poem. You know the. Uh, you know what made me stop doing that poem? What? I went to IWIPS to Flagstaff in 2016, and I did that poem in a microbout. So in a microbout, there was six of us in the bout. That's it, just six. I did that poem in the same round as three survivors who did poems about their experience. And I mm. and I beat them. And mm. now listen, I my poem was better, <laughs> but <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I think it's better. Speak your truth, son. I think it's better. Speak your truth. No, no, I, I don't. I, I don't mean. I, I said that to be funny. I said that to be funny. But um, no, I t- I took first place, and I I looked around and I, I just said for myself, not as a rule. I don't I don't I don't care what other people do. Mm. I think other people from the outside would say, no, but that is your story. Like you're not, you're not pretending it's your story. You're telling that story. But I said, eh, I've got, <laughs> I've got other things I can, I got other things I can write about. Like, I don't, oh, you hit him with the J Ward. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to win. If, if the perp, if the purpose is get that story told, if the story is change people's lives, then I don't want to, I'll, I'll let somebody else do that. Okay, let me ask you this real quick, though. Um, do you believe in, like, um, rearranging the story a little bit? Because, like, um, I've just recently, for the first time, I've been doing this poem for, like, years. I did the Malcolm X poem, which is about revolution. It's not necessarily about... It was something that Malcolm X said that applies to all of humanity, right? Um, and every single time I've done that poem, it has gotten, like, you know, a 30 score or, like, I did it at NC Music Factory and people were standing on the chairs like, yes, I'm ready to die. I'm like, whoa, calm down. Like, we ain't, hold up. Wait a minute. Like, I wasn't ready, you know? Like, but I, I did it recently and a poet in the back was just like, man, at first, like, I couldn't listen to anything you were saying because of the way you look. Because as soon as the word Malcolm X left your lips... Like I lost like half the poem, but then I came in and I heard you and she, and she gave me great advice. She was like, instead of like tearing into my ass, this, this poet, this, this person, like, I don't know if she's really a poet, but, um, she, she was like, put something in the beginning where it's like, this, this is, is how we come together. 
right? Like this is how this is how we can come together for a rebirth, all of us, right? And I was like, shit, I just like in my head, I'm like, yeah, everybody'll get it. But she it just took it it took that one person, right, to be like to be like to give you perspective. Right, right, like to give you like one edit that could change the entire thing right so maybe maybe it's not that you shouldn't share that story maybe it's an edit like a small thing that you can tweak and and to and to clarify i i don't think if somebody else did that poem i wouldn't tell them don't do it right like i i think it was clear that set aside set attention intention aside the poem itself the poem itself jay ward got mad loud right here (laughs) but i also i also got away from the mic so i was because if i get this close i'll just talk like this the entire night Um, (laughs) yeah i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with the way the poem is told i just decided that that theme Right. Just can be covered by somebody else to have. Because I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Fuck that. Does I'll tell you a second story. Does the father have a, like a say absolutely. in how he feels about absolutely. his daughter? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. You know absolutely. what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I made the decision for me. I wouldn't right. tell somebody else to do the same thing. For me, I, I looked at that and made that decision. But I will tell you, I will tell you two stories about that same poem because I think that poem reached the audience it needed to reach. Mm-hmm. So 2015 IWIPS in DC, the year before, I did the same poem and about, and um, I was outside afterwards talking to some friends and this, this young blonde woman, couldn't have been maybe 22 years old, was standing, just waiting. She was 36. <laughs> standing. Oh, it's off time. Uh, she was no. 18. Don't age that My bad, my bad. Oh, shit. She was 14. Oh, God. No, no. Nah, keep going. Yeah, let's let's your boss you fucked up. Yeah. So anyway, um, I could tell she was waiting she was just standing there waiting politely right so I, right. I stopped my conversation I was like you know how you doing and she was like I just you know wanted to tell you that I really appreciated that poem and thank you so much and I haven't talked to my father in 12 years and uh, you know, she starts telling me I won't tell you the rest of the story but like she starts just telling me the story and and the more I'm sitting there I'm like wow and at, at one point she was just like you know if can I can I hug you and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then we, we embraced. And she was like, um, don't do it. No, stop. Don't. Whatever you're about to do, just don't. <laughs> don't. Um, so, uh, and she was just like, it just feels good to hear what you were saying from a father. Because mm. she couldn't hear it from her father. Mm. So, I, like, I feel, I feel very. Me and Shane are in sync mm. right now. <laughs> I feel very safe in saying that that poem reached the audience that it should have reached. You know? That makes perfect sense. No, I totally understand that. I totally, I totally get that. You just didn't want to win that way, not the yes. way that you won. Yeah, but that's like that. that's what's really cool too. Like if you, if you are confident in your writing skill ability, like, and and you have your head on straight, right? When it comes to slam, you can put a poem aside and be like, I don't need that to win. Like you know what I mean? Like I've seen poets win slams that came from left field that's why like i always tell everybody too like if you're if you're contacting anybody that you know is like building their dream right they're going for it like it takes a lot of work y'all it takes a lot of work to make it as an artist without working a nine to five it it does it takes a lot i love it when people give me an out Mm. when they say hey 
It's totally cool if you can't. I still support you. It's good. I am like, mm, I would say 70% more likely to be like, hell yeah, I'll do that thing. Because like, like you're respectful, right? As opposed to, okay, now you have messaged me 10 times in a row. I'm driving. Haven't mentioned money yet. Haven't, yeah, that part. Um, exposure. Well, how did you find me if I wasn't already exposed? Okay. <laughs> you contacted me, right? That's a great point. Just saying, I'm Googleable. Oh, it's off topic. I do want to go back to something you said way, way, way at the beginning. Holy shit. Wow, you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do because I've been holding on to it. This um, when, when you were talking about activism, mm -hmm. uh, I think you gave some really good pointers for people if they want their, if they want their words to have more lasting impact in terms of, of activism. Can, if, if you remember them, I, I remember one was having something at your merch table. Can, can you talk about a, a few things that people can do um, outside of the performance itself, if they really want their activism to have a, they, well, they want their poems to have a, um, a greater impact than just on the stage. Uh, definitely. So like, there are many things you can do. There are things that, um, call, they're called poem drops. Me and Gorilla Poets do that a lot. We will just print off poems that we've written and we will drop them all around the city. Um, there was a year that we did love poems, the Valentine's Day poems for people who might be alone at the and you always know if you're if you're at the grocery store on Valentine's Day getting two bottles of wine, those two bottles are probably for yourself. Not, like, you know what I mean? So like just, just, just saying if it look if your mascara looks like you already been crying um, you know, we would we would wait until they turn their head and we would put the love poem in their buggy, mm. you know, for them to see. There are, there are little subtle things like that that you can do that make a huge impact. I think me and Blues both know the, the power of just a small act of kindness. Um, PFO has um, promoted that greatly, and it matters. So, like, um, leaving poems in public for people to find, things like that. Um, if, if you want to teach, you want to get involved with youth, like... Um, you can totally lead a workshop. Everybody, I think, has something to teach or to give. But if that's not your thing, there was a night outside of Time Out Youth back when they were in Noda where we all just like stayed outside of Amelie's and sidewalk chalked the pavement. And it was beautiful and healing. And all we did was just talk and hanging out and create. Like sometimes that's all that's needed. If you know that you can hold a safe space for somebody, just show up. Like, they just need you to be present, right? So, like, there are so many things. If you know that you a good cook, man, cook a great dinner and then go donate it to, like, the um, crisis centers, like, um, the relatives. Like, you know, like, uh, Time Out Youth is always looking for people to donate food. Like, places like that where, like, there are, there are youth and there are teens or there are adults, Promise Resource Network, get involved there. If you got old coats in the closet, like, literally, y'all, anything matters anything um just do something like i feel like a lot of people feel like their existence in this world doesn't matter for change and it's only because this world is built to make you feel powerless and i promise you i promise you 100 percent. i will bet my savings on it the more hands-on you get in the community the more hope you have in humanity and the better you feel. You just got to find your way to do so. Whatever feels good to you where it's not too much stress, it's not too much pressure, like, and you will know because when you leave, you feel more excited and more invigorated instead of drained. 
So if that thing is just dropping off food and that's all the thing you got to do, you just drop off food and you leave. Let someone else come in and talk to, to whoever's there. Maybe food is your thing. Whatever it is, you will know that it is your thing when you leave more full than when you came. So before we get out of here, Shane, um, anything you want to promote? Any, anything um, you want to tell the people? I got an album that just dropped called Carrier Pigeons, and it's all my activist poetry. Um, it can be found on my website, shanemainer.com. S H A N E M A N I E R dot com. Um, I also have a newsletter that goes out once a month. I also do blogs. You can find that on my website. Workshops all the time, all over the place. Um, Gorilla Poets, you'll find that on my website too. The next big things I have coming up is I'm doing a trauma training. So whether you're a teacher or a facilitator or a parent that has a teen that is just going through it and struggling, um, I, I highly suggest that you reach out to me through my website. Um, just contact me to get involved in that because it'll help you understand their perspective and what they're going through so you can better serve them and be a safe space for them. Um, I got a new book that's going to drop. I'm sitting on many books but the next one to drop is divine disturbances and it should come out in march so. dropping them shits like mixtapes son bam 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 <laughs> i'm sitting on 13 uh prolific problems that's a lot of books thank yeah, you thanks trauma <laughs> <laughs> all right that's so deep. uh my last question is are you ready to freestyle no <laughs> me either well, you gotta go first. Nope, I'm I last. She's always the closer. I need a gauge. <laughs> I'm the closer. God damn it. <laughs> Freestyles. <clears throat> ahem, ahem, ahem. It's crazy. Oh, man. It's freestyle, so I'm supposed to just talk about whatever I talk about. There's a bottle of bullet bourbon on the table. I'm guaranteed to spit this truth, no fables. If you're willing and able, man, connected like cable. Guarantee your own silk soft like sable. Like, yo, Shane Marin is in the building. Guarantee your top billing, how you feeling? Uh, Jamal's over there on the computer. Guarantee yo, I'm about to take this so far. Shout out to Jay Ward, back from Iceland. He's the ice man, you can't get with my man. Uh, understand, yo, we all convicted, obligated as storytellers, yo, to raise the children. Yo, I hope you're feeling the foe. Guaranteed, Mr. Blues, I'm about to let this thing go. Uh, we talk about freedom, feeling the freedom. Oh shit, man, I messed up, man. I gotta reel it in. I bring it back, yo, I make a stack. On these words that I stack, yo, I'll put them in my backpack. Don't lose track, man, don't you lose your focus. Cause all the kids out here, they seem hopeless. So we shine a light, put it on the beacon. Yo, I'm in here Saturday and it's the weekend. The beat skipped, it flipped over like twice. I'm guaranteed, yo, I'm real nice on this mic device did you have to extend it bend it guaranteed i'm out here not trying to pretend it yo i heard they shoot in matrix four i can't wait to see that yo i'm gonna go i don't think it'll be better than john wick because john wick was sick he used a horse and his kick to kill a man yo i don't understand how that go john wick murdered a lot of fucking people yo, <laughs> yo that is so track. i'm about to step back and step on back yo this freestyle on the show called poet up and yo i'm about to let it go i know y'all had enough yeah
Ayo, Jamal got a bunch of beats. I eat MCs like lunch and meat. I got my teeth just crunching ink. Yeah, y'all rapping sweet. I'm going to sleep. What you mean to wake me up or taking me up? I don't know, but I'm peace. I'm peace. I'm peace. Say, hey, yo, I'm peace like Dalai Lama. I'm a G. I move in silence like La. Yo, it's on my pasta, all that, yo. Fall back like Fallout Boy. I'm about to destroy the koi. Look at the smile, the way I just flow. You don't understand what's about to go down. Now check it out, flip the smile to a frown. That's how we do when we get down. Boogie, boogie. Oh, Jamal got the fingers up. He trying to count me down like I'm about to blast off. Take this rhyme, cause it's the last one off. Yeah, you the last one off the bus. Trust when I pull a guy out and bust. That's what's about to take you off to the next place and hear the beat go, uh. I was born ready, like a bleed in the hands of a baby. And the wind blows down like a ghost. Sometimes I'm wondering if I'm doing the most when I really just feel like a host to all these cadavers, cadavers. Just leading the light for more scavengers. And what you eating, what you beating, what you feasting on? Do you know who's in your building? Do you know what you're building? I wonder what's in my stomach. What I'm feasting on. Is it strong to carry me all night long? Into the light to take flight? Or is it heavy like stones in the belly? the mic fuck okay hold on hold on hold on all right i got it i got it we be spitting when we get it shit okay no wait shit fuck damn it i'm on i'm shit i'm off beat okay all right well well boys and girls that was me freestyling <laughs>